0: Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon.
1: And we're on, and this is a special edition playoff week uh, edition of Three Yards Per Carry. I'm afraid of it. I Tiago Simon Clancy is here. Chris Kaufman is here. And as always, this show is brought to you by Prize Pick. Uh, use use promo code five F I V E. And you get $100 if you deposit $100. It's a one-time rollover, which means it's a match bonus, which means if you bet it through, they give it to you. So, in other words, it's a free $100. Take it. Promo code F-I-V-E. All right. Uh, Mike McDaniel had a a press conference today, and it was consequential because he right away ruled out Tua Valua for the playoff game on Sunday. He will not play. Uh, he also revealed that Raheem Mostert has not been ruled out. And Teron Armstead is working to try and to play in this game. And we'll get to those. But first, we're going to talk about the, the quarterback. And I don't know who wants to go first, but I guess you'll go first, Simon. Uh, it's disappointing, but kind of expected. Although that wasn't how it was going, uh, I would say. It wasn't how the feel was coming down because the line had moved from 11 and a half all the way down to eight and a half the lines back to 13 by the way and uh that actually makes history because it is the largest spread in wall card round history so if Miami pulls off the upset it'll be the largest upside upset in wall card round history so it's the largest largest line ever 13 right now so your i Simon yeah,
2: course. I mean look, it's hugely disappointing. Um, I think that Tua represented our only chance, really, realistically, I think, of winning. Yes. I was in quite a dour mood the other night when we when we recorded the first show, just you know, uh, and that hasn't really changed. You know, you want to get to the playoffs and you want to be competitive. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want us to get finger blasted on national television on Sunday afternoon, which I suspect is probably what's going to happen. Um, so it is disappointing. I, I think the difference between um reality and whatever word it was you used um when you talked about the line changing. I I, I don't I didn't ever really feel like he was going to play. Um and I was told this morning and I put it in OnlyFins three or four hours before the press conference, probably longer, that that I was told he wasn't going to play this week. And it yeah, it's disappointing. You want to see the best players in the biggest games and you know that's what he's been for us generally this season one of the best players he represented a chance to beat the Buffalo Bills a chance to beat the Kansas City Chiefs you know and I just you know it, I'm disappointed for him I'm disappointed for the team I'm disappointed for the fan base you know because unfortunately it's gonna you know uh, look it, it would be amazing to think we're gonna go up to Buffalo on Sunday and, and, and win they're the best team in the NFL Damar Hamlin amazingly released from hospital this morning, which is phenomenal news. You know, he's been sent home to start his rehabilitation. I, I suspect strongly he'll be at the game. The emotion in that stadium will be unbelievable, as it should be, as they have a right to be. It's an incredible story and we're all incredibly happy. But that just adds to the, you know, whatever it is that we're up against. And, you know, even with Touring, it was going to be a hell of a stretch. You know, you go back and look at the Pittsburgh game, Chris, don't you? And, you know, he mm-hmm. had the great first drive, but then looked a little bit rusty. And, you know, you figure he was going to be rusty even if he came back on and played this Sunday against Buffalo. But with him, there was a chance. There was a representation of a chance to win a game. You know, I think, you know, the two games we played in this season, I think we lost 51-49 or whatever the points total is. So 51-50.
1: Okay, so two wonderful. very
2: evenly matched teams. We, we both know what the other does well. We both know what the other's weakness is. We've beaten them once this season. They've beaten us. Both games incredibly close. So, you know, it was an opportunity, Chris, wasn't it, to to think like we could do something. Because, look, we're, you know, no matter how much of us moan about stuff, and, and I do my fair share of that, but, you know, you want to, we just want to win games. I want to, you know, I've been a Dolphins fan since 1984. You know, I've one NFC, one AFC championship game in all that period of time. Four, four wins in the playoffs, maybe. I think four, five wins in the playoffs, something like that. You know, the best playoff win I've ever been a part of as a fan was when we beat the Kansas City Chiefs seventeen sixteen. When Dan Marino beat Steve Deberg and Nick Lowry missed a fifty one yard field goal at the gun. That was what nineteen ninety. Yeah, yeah, not, yeah I mean, It was
1: nineteen ninety. Yeah,
2: I was still at I was still at secondary school. High, I was still at high school when that happened. I'm going to be fifty next year. <laughs> there was know, a remember, better one, there, but uh, it's uh, true. Your oh. memory,
1: your memory is failing you a little. No, bit. I mean that that,
2: that is my, that's my favorite. Oh, okay. game that's my favorite game I listened okay. to it on the armed forces radio I remember yeah. lying in bed I remember the comeback because we were down 16 to 3 and I was lying on my bed and then we started the comeback and I just thought I couldn't move I needed a wee couldn't move if I moved it was going to be bad luck we scored the touchdown Mark <laughs> Clayton beat Albert Lewis in the corner Al, Al Michael says you know Mano Emano Lewis against Clayton two of the best they punt down to the goal line we drive start a big Big throw, Marino to Ferrell Edmonds, a big tight end to get the drive going. I think, the was it Keith Byers scored the touchdown to, to put us up 17-16. They drive into field goal range. They get a penalty, a false start penalty. They're moving back five yards. Lowry's just inches short. We win 17-16. It's a great, that, that you know. but Like, that was I was in high school and I'm going to be 50 years old next year and that, that's sad. That's, you know... The hundreds, thousands of hours that the three of us will put in, not only to this podcast, but being fans and contributing on websites and watching games and the draft and all that stuff. And we get punched in the face year after year. And, you know, when the quarterback who's played really well at times this season can't play in the biggest game, the, the playoff game, and your chance of doing something special goes, it's upsetting. It makes me unhappy. It makes me depressed to think that, you know, I don't want to be a laughing stock on sunday you know we've got good players we got you know the players that are out there are going to roll roll up into buffalo and get their bellies rubbed by the bills they they want to win they're they're professional sports people but you know yeah the hill is a the hill is a steep one chris isn't it i mean the hill is a steep one my well, biggest that, that, uh,
1: I'll, let, let me give you mine first because because uh and you could go on chris here in a second but a couple of years after that it was my favorite moment as a Dolphin fan because I, it was the only time that I looked at the team and I said, they're going to the Super Bowl. And not only are they going to the Super Bowl, nobody's going to beat this, this goddamn team. And that was in 1992. It was two years after that year where they had just acquired Keith Jackson. They beat the Bills in a showdown game in Buffalo 37 to 10. Okay. But they make it all the way to the last game of the season, and they're playing a putrid New England Patriots team. But all they needed to do was just win. And the the Buffalo Bills actually needed the Dolphins to lose to an awful Patriots team and needed to win to get into the playoffs. And I remember watching that last game because back then, they didn't put them at the same time. They put put one at 1 o'clock, one at 4 o'clock. And the Dolphins go to overtime against this awful Patriots team in the snow. In New England, and they win. They win sixteen to thirteen, and that night the Bills sit everybody because now they have no shot at the play at winning the division anymore, and they get absolutely pasted by the Houston Oilers. Okay. A week later, we know what happened in Houston. <laughs> Simon, you remember that, right? Mm-hmm. The Bills down 35 to three make a comeback. They win the game. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The Dolphins have home field advantage throughout the playoffs and they're hosting the Chargers. They beat the Chargers 31 to nothing in the divisional round. They absolutely paced the Chargers. And now the stage is set. It's the AFC Championship game. It's the Dolphins and the Bills. I looked it up. The Dolphins were seven point favorites at home against the Bills. They're, They're arch rival. They lose 29 to 10. I remember walking out of the stadium like a zombie that day, saying, how did this happen?
2: (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't even close.
1: No, it wasn't close. It wasn't close. But everybody was like, okay, it's going to be Dolphins. I don't know if we beat the Cowboys, but still, who gives a shit? It's the Super Bowl against the Dallas Cowboys, right? Mm. You know, it would have been a lot of fun, but no. That was my favorite moment and my worst also. All right, go ahead, Chris. Your reaction to the news today, the disappointing news today.
0: Well, the biggest, biggest, the bigger surprise was almost that, uh, that it wasn't, that he wasn't ruled out Monday. Um, you know, I think that we talked about that where Simon and I were, we're heading into that press conference on Monday. We're like, you know, there's at least a 50% chance that, that Mike McDaniel gets in front of, in front of us right now and just shuts him down for the whole week, which, you know, even if some miracle happened, would be suggested that he's, that he's basically shut down for the, the season, the, the playoffs, you know, everything. Um, but they didn't, they took kind of day to day and then you're getting kind of, you know, some, some, you're getting line movements and, you know, stuff like that. And some things that we we're hearing on background, um, that, you know, were positive, I guess a little bit, like a little bit on the optimistic side, but overall it, it didn't feel like it, it basically, he wasn't close last week. And it felt like if he was suddenly going to practice and play this week, he would have needed to be close last week. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't he wasn't, he wasn't even with the team, you know? Um, and and so, you know, that's, that's too much of a shock. I think it was, I think it was naive of us to, to hope or think that, you know, that he, that the NFL, uh, league doctors who, who are part of the process of progressing guys through the concussion protocol, um, you know, they, they have to, uh, they have to sign off essentially on, on each, each step as you go through the protocol. It's a little bit naive of us to think that uh, we're going to rush him. We're going to be able to get them to go through the 24-hour by 24-hour by 24-hour steps to essentially rush him through to the game, you know, considering the circumstances around this uh, and considering where he came from, which was, I, you know, I think he worked out maybe Monday morning. Uh, it's sort of a strenuous workout, workout. I believe Mike McDaniel mentioned something about it. You know, I saw him working out, he looked like he was he looked like he'd broken, you know, quite a sweat or something like that. Um, you know, I don't think that had happened before then, and it's kind of naive of us to think that, you know, oh, that that's the first time he's gonna do it, and then and then we're gonna go 24 hours, step two, 24 hours, step three, 24 hours, step four, 24, you know what I mean. And especially with all of the the angst surrounding the, this whole circumstance with Tua this year. I, and, and I think the dolphins got the disappointing news that they're not, that he's not able to progress through, even though he had no setbacks and and things were generally positive. Um, so it was, it, it was disappointing in a way, but it should not have been unexpected. Um, and I think that uh, I think that you know when we hear this news, I mean, it's like Simon said, this was our basically our only hope. Our only hope outside of this is some completely ethereal mojo thing surrounding division opponents in in the playoffs, and that is that is a well you know a, a well uh, documented um, phenomenon where uh, you know hey you would think that in the playoffs the home team you know the home team the guy that, that mm-hmm. favored uh, you know win a lot of games right i mean i'm not talking about against the spread i'm talking about outright win right and the fact of the matter is these division uh division rivals when they play in the um playoffs they kind of go one way they 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 break either way it's kind of it's kind of random and i think deon dawkins of the bills was just talking about it <laughs> yeah. and he's like he's like it's like it's like going on a third date with somebody you know he's, he's like but by, by now you you should pretty much know whether they're uh whether they prefer lemon drops or shirley temples you know <laughs> like um and and so you know there's there's a lot of familiarity and i think because of that familiarity that third game can really break a surprising way
3: and that was our
0: or that is our only hope, you know, it's, it's, it's a huge spread. It's a college spread really. Um, And, uh, and the only hope is that something weird happens. The fact that these two, these, uh, the, these two teams are so familiar, these sets of coaches are so familiar with, with one another. And one set of coaches, you know, managed to zig where the others zagged. You know, I, I think that's the, that's really the only hope. You're almost like, Can can we get some kind of some sort of wildcat game here? Remember in two thousand eight when we broke out the wildcat all of a sudden on the New England Patriots, a game we had absolutely no business winning, and uh, and and we won it handily because we broke out some you know new thing that they hadn't planned for, and it just it just snowballed. Um, That's the only thing that we've got, and so Tua represented the only realistic hope that isn't just magical thinking. Mm-hmm. you know and um and that's uh that, that that's very disappointing i could see why everybody is you know everybody is basically uh in a glass case of emotion right now <laughs> <laughs> yes um and and that's what that's what we are that's what 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 we're doing but um but i think that i one thing i do take from this week though is if the miracle were to happen and everybody laughs but you know this there is a reason you play the game um you know, other than just mark an L on piece of paper and save everybody the time. Um, there's a reason you play the game. But uh if the miracle happens, I would take from it that this week Tua did seem close. And so if we are heading into Kansas City next week, I'd say there's a fair chance that Tua might be approved and playing in that game. Yeah. Um but it's neither here nor there because you have to get through the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo in the playoffs when they're going to be amped up, you know, and playing on top at the top of their game mm-hmm. and, and reasonably and, healthy. Too. And we're just not and reasonably healthy. And we're and we're ne- we're neither reasonably healthy nor playing at the top of our game. So <laughs> no, um,
1: I woke up this morning and I was plotting the demise of Teron Johnson and I'm never going to get that hour back
0: <laughs> the rest yeah, of my you, life. <laughs> that hour is wasted it is you know <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's tears it's tears in the rain as uh, i even um, had my own uh,
1: that was a pretty good bo- battle cry right turn Tehran
0: run into dust <laughs> yeah well i it's 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 you know it's it's too bad um yeah, it, but oh. I, I will say this and I i will every now and then drive the hope train for the miami dolphins just to see if i can um <laughs> and and what I'll say is it, it the defense the number one defense in the NFL over the last three weeks of the season, as far as total yards is concerned, is actually the Miami Dolphins, and that shocks the hell out of me, considering they're they're you know just absolute been absolute trash for most of the year, right um and and so you look at the defense over the last three weeks you know yeah they were playing the patriots yeah they're playing the the jets um and i know people are like all oh, this third string joe flacco jets well you know joe flacco might might be their best quarterback because they have you know um but anyway like yeah they're they're the top defense in the nfl over the last three weeks which isn't really saying a ton i get it but at the same time, we know from last year that this defense was streaky as hell. They went from the worst defense in the NFL, you know, for for seven games or whatever it was, to the best defense in the NFL for the next nine games, and and we ended up winning and going on a ridiculous win streak. So if you're looking for hope, it, it's a different kind of hope. It's not a Tua hope. It's not Tua throwing bombs to Tyree Kill and Jalen Jalen Waddle and and everything like that. It's actually just like are we going to sit there in this game and it's like late in the third quarter and somehow the bills have let us hang around and they've only scored like 17 points or something like that. You know what I mean? And, and, and then, you know, and then, and then something happened. What happened? I've seen the Minnesota, I, I remember this game. I remember a game where the Minnesota Vikings and Giants played one another. And, um, one of them, one of them was heavily, heavily favored and clearly outplaying the other but uh but then the other had like two return touchdowns you know like a like a interception return touchdown and a punt return touchdown they won the damn game it was like 17 14 you know otherwise they could only muster three three points of offense but they won the damn you know that that kind of shit happens in the nfl yeah, you know and we're, so,
1: we're going to talk about it tomorrow when we preview the game but yeah, it's definitely it's they're going to need luck that they haven't had. And there was a moment in that jet game that reminded me of this. There was a pass that Flacco threw over the middle. Gary Wilson is a world class athlete, really good wide receiver. This pass just bounced off of his hands, completely off of his hands. And it fell at Javon Holland's feet. Now, yeah. why couldn't that pass hit Javon Holland in the in the chest? And he runs it back for a touchdown and the game is iced.
0: <laughs> you know with yeah five to and, go. And, and you know stuff like that but also remember we talked about it just in the last podcast remember when jalen phillips drops back in coverage and i saw him i saw you know the way he was his body language and orientation he like he, he knew what was coming there and he was trying to hunt exactly the passing lane that and that that ball ended up squeaking through and my god that ball was like a foot away you know uh, and, and and if he got and if he got it it's it's six. You know, it's going back for a touchdown. Uh, the NFL is weird. So, uh, division opponent and division games are even weirder. Um, that's really our only hope at this point. And yes, it is kind of magical thinking, but, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, that's that's what we're left with, unfortunately.
1: All right, let's close with this. Mike LaFleur relieved of his duties or mutual uh, parting of the ways. Pro Football Network is reporting that members of the Jets' front office believe it was a failure of Mike LaFleur to develop Zach Wilson. I don't, you know, I don't know. I am pretty sure that Tony Pauline has his his sources, but I would say that those front office people are just stupid. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know, a guy's either good or not. Okay, failure to develop. Uh, I, I don't understand what that means but with a quarterback in his second year. He's either good or he's not. You have something to work with, or you don't. I'll ask well, you first, Simon. Oh, no, well. well, you can elaborate I, if you want, Simon, uh, if you want, but. Do you see a future of Mike LaFleur here in Miami?
2: Uh, I don't, actually. Uh, okay. I think there is um, – I think that uh, he wasn't fired. It was a mutual release. I think that he has had some significant offers elsewhere in the NFL um, to be offensive coordinator, and I think the Jets probably going to fire him anyway, but he's close to Salah, and it was probably a sort of a – um, jump before you get pushed, kind of deal. But I do think he's fairly in demand. I just don't think it's in Miami. Uh,
1: do you, you don't buy that, right? That it's his failure that Zach Wilson sucks.
2: No, of course not. Yeah, I, like, I don't, I don't, don't buy in, in any way whatsoever. I, I don't think he was the problem. I don't also think he was the solution. Um, I, I think it's very hard to win any games without a quarterback. Um, but the facts of the matter are that. Zach Wilson isn't very good but the facts of the matter also are that they've had 31 straight drives without reaching the end zone um and in his two years have been 27th and 28th in in total offense um so you know i think he has to take some of the blame um but it's very difficult when you don't have a quarterback and then you lose your stud running back after 6 weeks 4 mm-hmm. weeks whatever it was with a with the season ending injury that it's not easy to recover from you know, they're, I think they were missing four of their starting five offensive linemen, and the the fifth guy um, was being held together by Baylor Twine on Sunday. So, you know, these <laughs> yeah. things aren't easy. So, yeah. but no, I, I don't think I don't think he um, he ends up in Miami. I, I, if Jeff Albrecht gets let go, I could definitely see that happening.
1: All right. Uh, yeah, there's no Chris, chance you, of Jeff Albury getting let go. No.
0: Chris, <laughs> exactly. you disagree? Um, no, no, it's a, so yeah. I, I think Simon is right that he has to take some responsibility. But the thing about the thing, the thing I don't like about blaming Zach Wilson about on him particularly is because a big failure of um, with respect to Zach Wilson is mental, you know, mental, emotional accountability was a big, was a big buzzword that kept happening. We saw that press conference, you know, where, where he seemed to um, not take any accountability. Um, and then you know, some of the things that were happening on background, and then and then the weirdness that happened after the benching, where Robert Saleh is just saying, like, we just you know, he's mentally he's not in a good place, psychologically, he's not in a good place, and you know, we mm-hmm. need to get him to next year, we need to get him reset, you know, stuff like that. Um, that th- how do you blame that on the offensive coordinator?
2: Yeah, you
0: know what I mean? Like, like I, I don't know, I don't know how you blame. I mean, this is this is all head coach realm, you know, um, with respect to uh, having holding guys accountable, uh, instilling a culture of accountability, uh, you know, being being in contact with your quarterback and, and making sure that he's with the program and stuff like that. How do you bl- how do you blame that on the offensive quarter? I don't I don't buy that for one second. Um, you know, the fact of the matter is Zach Wilson may just suck. uh, as a quarterback. And, uh, and I think that's a reality that has to be confronted in New York. But, um, but yeah, I I think, I think blaming that on the offensive coordinator is, is weird. Um, now if, if Michael floor is in demand as an offensive coordinator and you know, play caller, then that'll be interesting. And yeah, absolutely. he, He will, um, not end up in Miami, uh, if that's the case, but you know, part of me is not so is, is wondering about that. And, um, and if he's not as in demand, then I really think that uh, Mike McDaniel could attempt to get him in Miami in some role. Uh, and, and I would say that there's, there's some stuff there to investigate. We don't know. We don't know anything. I'm not saying we know anything, but um, there's some stuff there to investigate about the way that the play calls have been, um have been going all year in miami and how that and how alf you've been you know reporting on only fins how how the the evolution of that how it's been changing how there have been times yeah, they, they, like- yeah
1: yeah they started the season trying to be revolutionary and the end of the season doing what everybody else has done for the last 100 years right and,
0: and, and but but it also it also speaks of you know maybe maybe some Lack of trust in some of the other offensive coaches, or maybe yeah. maybe trusting some coaches more than others, or you know, and, and so on and so forth. And so, bottom line, uh, LaFleur is, has a good background in the run game, uh, just like Mike McDaniel.
2: I could easily see him take McDaniel's old job back at the 49ers, you, you right? And,
0: and that's yeah. And yeah. but, he, but he, you know, he could also end up, you know, something happens with Frank Smith this offseason, yeah. we don't know what's going on in the background. Then something happens with Frank Smith. You could also see him in Miami as Miami's run coordinator, with Daryl Bevel continuing on as pass coordinator, um, and and then this might be the thing that allows Mike, because we know that Mike McDaniel has virtually no uh, has no um, uh, imp- or influence on the defensive side of the ball, right? He he doesn't he doesn't do anything on the defensive side of the ball. Um, this might allow Mike McDaniel to focus on the entire team and not just the offense if he had more coaches with a higher trust factor on the offensive side of the ball. It's just something to think about and bat around in your head. I'm not saying it is happening, um, but it it is something – it is definitely something that we we have to keep in mind because these two are really good friends and the respect between them is just extremely high. So, um, so yeah, I, I could see uh, the Dolphins or Mike McDaniel making a space for him in Miami. Uh, I just, you know, uh, we'll just have to see uh, how, that, how that goes in the offseason.
1: All right. And that's going to be it. The next time we talk to you, we will preview wild card game on Sunday at 1 p.m. Bills, Dolphins. Not as much, you know, luster as before, but it's a game nonetheless, and we'll preview it. But see you then.
2: Thanks for listening to Three Yards
0: Per Carry. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider.